Welcome to the very first episode of the Artsy Hustle podcast. My name is Adam Kubota. I am a bass player, and I play in a band called Postmodern Jukebox, and sometimes I play in another band called The Hot Sardines. In addition to that stuff, I have a law degree, and not that long ago, I was working in arts administration. And when I first thought of doing this podcast, I just wanted it to be a discussion for artists and musicians and freelancers to help them better navigate the ins and outs of the gig economy. But obviously, some things have happened in the past three months, uh, specifically the COVID-19 pandemic, and that has completely changed the formulation of what it means to work in the gig economy. So for right now, we are going to be talking a lot about how to get through this situation that we're in and just looking around to see what other people are doing to get through this and to put food on the table and keep keep a roof over their head. Uh, To that end, uh, we're very lucky to get the guest that we have for the first podcast, and it is Congresswoman Shelley Pingree from Maine, and she is the co-chair of the Congressional Arts Caucus, and she is a very, very knowledgeable and personable person. Um, And just, again, very, very fortunate that she agreed to do this podcast. That said, this is my very first podcast. Um, We put it together in the middle of a pandemic. Obviously, I couldn't sit in a room uh, with with our guest, and uh, we did it over Zoom. So there are some some fairly strong imperfections with the audio um, that I wish weren't there, but I think that there is so much in the podcast, uh, so much that that Representative Pingree says in there that is practical, things that I didn't know, and I think that any artist, musician, or freelancer will get so much out of of hearing what she has to say. So without any further ado, um, let's listen to my conversation with Congresswoman Shelley Pingree. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, Here we have Representative Shelley Pingree uh, from Maine, and I am really excited to have you uh, on my podcast. And um, I I don't know if I told you, but this is actually my my very first edition of the podcast. So I'd like to have some. Yeah, to have somebody, uh, you know, of your of your stature is uh, is very, very exciting for my first podcast. A very auspicious beginning. Yeah. And where are you right now? Uh, so I am home, like uh, every other member of Congress. We're mostly kind of, you know, except when we have gone to vote, we're locked down in our homes. And I happen to live on an island um, 12 miles off the coast of Maine. So um, Maine has a lot of year-round island communities. Sometimes people think it's a little, you know, dot of rock with a, no electricity. But no, we have a, you know, <laughs> we have a school, we have a community. Um, cool. And I actually, when I'm not in uh, Congress, I run an uh, organic farm. So we're still operating the farm. Wow. Okay. Sounds like you have a pretty cool setup out there. Um, it's nice to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> nice. Great. Well, I, I hope everything is is going well uh, in your in your corner of the country. Um, so I just want to get started with just a little bit of context about um, you know who you are and uh, and what is the the Congressional Arts Caucus. Uh, well, the Congressional Arts Caucus has been here for uh, has been a part of Congress for a very long time, um, and I'm the 
Democratic co-chair. We have a Republican co-chair as well. And um, it was for many, many years, it was run by Louise Slaughter from upstate New York. And she was sort of a grand dame of the arts. She, uh, everybody knew Louise. She um, fought every year for the arts funding. And when she passed away, I was lucky enough to take it over. It's particularly meaningful to me because um, even though I come from a very small rural state, um, we care deeply about the arts and we understand how important arts funding is to many of our communities, to our tourism industry. Um, and for a lot of small towns, uh, federal funding like through the NEA and NDH is the only way we ever get the ability to fund for the arts. Um, okay. So I sit on the Interior Appropriations Committee as well. And, um, and that subcommittee is the one that funds our arts programs, museums, the Smithsonian, NEA, NEH. So um, we go to battle every year to make sure that there is federal dollars and there should be many, many more. Um, but we get whatever yeah. we can. And that's that's part of the role of the Arts Caucus is to support it, to under, help our colleagues understand the economic impact of the arts in their communities, which is just as true, you know, from Thank one you. side of the country to another, um, and critically important right now when, when people, people are hurting and, and we need you guys more than ever. So we just want to keep you all staying afloat and in business. Thank you. Well, I would say thank you for being a, a, a champion of the arts and, and uh, going to bat for us. And I think maybe uh, a lot of people maybe have misconceptions about, you know, like, you know, who are artists and it's just, it's so many people and so many people are you know, working in theaters and galleries, you know, and as visual artists uh, and all of the above. So it's gonna, this whole situation is, it's affecting everybody really profoundly, but, you know, for artists like myself, um, I, I have no idea when there's going to be a, a, a theater, you know, opening up so I can play a concert. Um, and as I've mentioned to you uh, over email that I'm the bass player for Postmodern Jukebox. And uh, I heard that you're, you're, you're a fan. I am. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Have you seen us play before? I have never been able to see you play, but I've seen, um, I've seen you online and I have some of your music, you know, on my um, iPhone, you know, so I can play it through my cool. sound system. Oh so, yeah. No, you guys are great. I, I love you. And, um, I'll have to make sure when, when the world comes back together again, yes. it's allowed to go on tour and you come to Please. Portland, Maine or somewhere, we'll, um, we'll be yeah, we'll, We were supposed to be playing at the State Theater uh, a few weeks ago in Portland. So, and that, yeah, that concert had to be canceled. So whenever it gets rescheduled, we'll have to, to have you over and that'd be really cool. Um, yes, yes, please. Um, so what I want to do with this podcast is I want to have, uh, you know, somebody like you, uh, who's, who's in Congress to, uh, and voted on, on the CARES Act, uh, sort of explain a little bit about how it would affect, um, you know, people in the, you know, who are artists and musicians, you know, uh, so I guess I'll just start with, you know, just, just tell us how money from the CARES Act can reach, you know, artists and musicians. And, um, you know, some of them maybe aren't qualifying for unemployment, you know, in the traditional uh, metric of that. And um, many, many people are on 1099. So I think there's a, there's a bit of confusion um, in, in my part of the world about, about how, how that, that money would reach uh, artists and musicians. Yeah, and look, I don't, um, I don't blame people for being confused. It's, uh, it was an enormous amount of um, change, you know, happened overnight. All of a sudden, everybody's out of work. And then um, yeah. Congress had to come in and try to put together, you know, as best as we could. You know, we have to get Republicans and Democrats to agree on how to spend money, and that's never easy. Yeah. So um, maybe the perfect program that I wouldn't have designed isn't exactly what we got. But there's two or three ways that um, 
I think um, artists and people who are self-employed, 1099 workers can benefit from, and I'm, I'm happy to talk those through with you. So Please. Um, let's just start with unemployment. Um, unemployment is, uh, is normally only available to those people who work for an employer and the employer has to pay in on the account and then you're eligible for it if you're lost you're laid off, you're terminated, you can't, you know, you don't quit. Um, but we created pandemic unemployment insurance under this bill. So it basically covers anyone whose job is affected because of the pandemic. And obviously a touring musician or someone who worked backstage at a theater or anything related to the arts that's now been shut down uh, qualifies for that. Um, so that can be self-employed, 1099, you know, independent contractors, gig workers, whatever people call themselves. Um, now. It varies from state to state because unemployment insurance is right. funded by the federal government, but it comes to the states. So, um, and each state has to set up their own systems. And one of the biggest challenges so far has been because this is a brand new program and states aren't used to certifying people who don't have a payroll stub. Um, they're still actually literally trying to set up the computer systems um, to make this work. But the way it works is that you, um, you, you qualify um, you get whatever you would have qualified for in that state, the dollar amount, and that varies from state to state. But most importantly, the federal government has mandated that another $600 a week is added on. So let's say you're in a state um, where uh, because of what you used to earn, you would have gotten like $230 a week. Well, now you get um, $830 a week. So um, th the important things to know are that every state doesn't have this fully operational I can't tell you off the top of my head, but there's probably 15 states right now where you can go online and it'll show you exactly how to go through the process. In some states where it's not operational, um, it isn't yet in Maine, and we're hoping this week it will be. But what happens is people unemploy, and then they get a, they they apply for unemployment, and then they get rejected. So then they go home and they say, "Oh, that didn't work. Shoot, you know, I thought I was supposed to get it," and they never go back again. So. The important thing to understand is even if you got rejected once, it may be because the new system wasn't entered into the computers. And, you know, you can imagine these these are, you know, federal and state government computers. They're antiquated. They're using yeah. many of them old things. I mean, in our in our employment department, we're a small state. We had 14 employees. Now we've ramped up to like something like 200 to try to handle the load. And you can just imagine the magnitude in California or New York or anywhere else. Yeah, it's a but scramble. the important point is you qualify. So um, there would be very few circumstances that you don't. I'm not even exactly clear yet because we haven't seen in our state what they're going to make you submit, but um, you qualify. You qualify. Um, okay. And, and you, all you need to do is be in a um, covered kind of employment that was um, shut down because of the pandemic, and there's just no question that that's true for almost everybody like you and that you work with. Okay. All right. That, that is really good to know. So I guess the bottom line I'm picking up from this is just to, just to keep, you know, checking in on the, on the state systems and what your state is doing. Um, and yeah, I mean, for example, I was on the, the IRS side and they finally updated their, the section about the, uh, the stimulus checks and you could actually check your status and uh, update your bank info, which you couldn't do a week ago. So right, all the musicians right. I know were really excited about the fact that you could actually, you know, get some insight about when you might get your check. So that was very, yeah. very cool. And just um, be clear about that. Of course, that's in the CARES Act. And I'm glad you made that point because once again, um, 
you know, you, you need to find out if that's on its way. And if it isn't, um, you need to check in to see, like, is it because you didn't file and there's a rapid way to file for 2018 and 2019? They need to know who you are. And also, if you wanted to come direct deposit into your bank account, you can use that site as a way to alter that. So they're not sending it to some address that you used to live at, but you probably don't live at anymore because you guys move around the country all the time and, you know, don't always have a permanent address, but you have a bank account. So that's important. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, that song, you know, Papa was a Rolling Stone. You know, I kind of, I kind of feel like that way as a touring musician sometimes. Yeah. And people always ask me where I live and I'm like, well, yeah, I'm in LA sometimes. Sometimes I'm in New York city. So yeah. But, uh, thankfully all the, all the, uh, the checks come to my, my parents' house in the Bay area. So, um, so let's, let's move on to, uh, uh some of the small business association, um, funds, um, so under this program, uh, can musicians who hire musicians uh, for gigs under a 1099, can they qualify for the, for the, uh, the paycheck protection loans? Um, so do, these, do the 1099 hires, do they count as employees or are they independent contractors? And it doesn't matter if, if someone, a uh, musician is, is, has like some sort of, you know, small, small you know, company like an LLC or an S Corp um, when they go to apply for these types of loans. Okay, so it doesn't matter if you're a LLC or an S corp; they're they're basically equal. So if let's say you, let's say you are your own small business, you're either self-employed or, as you said, you have contract workers, um, mm -hmm. you are eligible for the PPP program. Uh, the way that works is um, it covers the costs of you doing business, but seventy-five percent of what you spend has to be on the payroll of your previous employees, and they all have to be employed again. Um, just to be clear, you cannot, um, 1099 workers are not covered. They had to have been Got it. payrolled employees. So if you are an arts, um, an artist, an arts organization, and you have those, you can apply for the PPP, um, keep them on the payroll, and everything is forgiven at the end of two months if you, as long as you kept everybody on the payroll. And you can use a quarter of it to pay your rent, your utilities, anything else. Got it. Now, that doesn't mean that if you have 1099 employees and, um, and you are an LLC that you can't apply for it. The thing is you just have to apply as if you were a self-employed, as, as if you're a small business and you're the business. Ten, your 1099 workers, the people who have been working with you via contract, are just better off going to unemployment because they don't qualify. They're not really considered your employees because right. they're independent contractors. They can still be covered that way. And in some circumstances, um, you know, some businesses have found that, that they will make more money during this period under the pandemic unemployment insurance. So they're still going to be fine. And you can still apply too. You just can't apply using them as your employees, but you can be your only employee and you can get the PPP. Okay. That, yeah. that is good so to know. You can pay yourself. You can pay yourself. You can pay for some of your overhead expenses. Um, it's a little bit more confusing. And the best way uh, to sort out how to do it is um, if you have a relationship with a bank, if you have a banker, even, you know, your small town banker, all in the most recent package, we wrote a, in some um, restrictions that said that some of the money had to specifically go to community banks, credit unions. Um, you know, unusual lending systems that tend to go to, um, you know, minority communities or places that are, uh, you know, just smaller rural places. So there ought to be a banker who's willing to serve you. If not, nice. I mean, there will be, and they're the ones to ask the questions. Or there are some SBA services, um, one's called SCORE, one's called um, SBDC. They're in every community. They're volunteer, they're free, um, women's business development centers, and they're just there to help you do these loan applications 
applications. So look them up. They can be your guide through this. And many of them are helpful people to know, you know, in the future of your business, because they're just there to advise you in your business. So um, <clears throat> I guess that's, that's um, yeah, you do have to have a Schedule C for filing. You have to have filed under a Schedule C, um, but you would if you were an independent business, even if you were paying 1099 workers. Okay, great. I, some of this terminology is a little bit new to me, so I'll yeah, be I uh, definitely uh, hitting up the, the Google searches after this so I know a little bit about it. Um, but uh, so you're saying, so Feel at, at this point... Send us an email. Send us an email. We'll, we'll be happy to... Okay, help. thank you. Wow, we'll that's, that's great. That's very accessible. Appreciate that. Um, so, so you're saying that, you know, the... For those types of loans, the, the the first entity to whom you should turn, it would be your bank. Um, they get processed through a bank. Even though they're an SBA loan, they're actually a bank loan that has a 100% guarantee by the SBA. So the bank doesn't take on the risk that you'll default or that you won't pay. And the SBA also um, generates the funds that completely pay back your bank at the end of it. Now, there's another, um, there's an, EIDL, that's an emergency, uh, emergency injury disaster loans. That's another SBA loan. Again, it's mm -hmm. worth asking your banker about that because you are an emergency disaster. Suddenly your, your business, your livelihood was wiped out. You can apply for that loan and within three days, they have to give you a $10,000 grant that you can use to sort of keep the lights on, keep, keep food on your table, whatever it is you use it for. And even if you choose not to take the loan after you've been approved, you don't have to give back the grant. So it's also a really good source of, um, you know, virtually a grant support, which is what we were trying to get out here because we understand that individuals and small businesses don't want to take out a loan right now because you don't know if you'll be back to work right. in June or if it'll be September or if we won't go into concert halls for a year. I mean, yes. I want, you know, you, we just don't know. Fingers so we crossed. don't want you yeah. to have a loan for $35,000 and somebody in August says, where's your payment? And you're like, but, right. but, uh, yes. So it's like, it's like I have some friends that are, you know, buying homes and they're, you know, applying for mortgages right now and they're getting accepted, accepted for the mortgages, but they're like, well, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fingers crossed situation, which is not exactly where you want to be, you know, yeah. when it comes to, to, to paying back a, a bank. So, um, so I, 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 understand yeah why you would you would pick uh, the, the grant route um so i guess a, another topic that a lot of people are concerned about is is just like the 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 criteria for for receiving um some of these these sba uh, you know like the the ppp uh and and other types of grants um you know the reporting is that you know like Ruth Chris, you know, Steakhouse was one to receive it. And, you know, which has a lot of, you know, people who are small, small business, you know, you know people, they're, you know, scratching their head about, well, if, if the big guys are, are getting at these, you know, these funds first, and then they went away, it's like, so, you know, how, how is this money even going to reach me when obviously the, you know, it's kind of trickling down, mm -hmm. if that. Yeah, well, people have the right to be extremely angry about it. And, you know, even as members of Congress, we should always know what's going to happen when we do something. But there are unintended consequences to everything that we do. And, um, you know, and sometimes, you know, Congress has a different idea of how this is going to work out than the current administration. So, um, 
you know, we wanted more oversight. We wanted to know from the very beginning who's getting these loans, what the size of their business is, which banks are loaning the most. And we had a very bad feeling from the first weekend when we saw that all the big banks had given out a lot of money very quickly. Um, the only good news is that, you know, thanks to reporters and, you know, just information that's out there in SEC filings, and suddenly people could see that Ruth's yeah. Steakhouse or some, some other huge chains. Um, and, you know, uh, full credit goes to the people who just said, um, hey, wait a minute, I'm not going to Shake Shack. Um, you know, even, you know, maybe I love your burgers, but I'm not going there if you're going to take money away, which could have gone to a little business because you've got investors and, you know, equity and you can, you can survive this storm. So um, the power of embarrassment has helped us to retrieve some of that money, which is actually now back in the pool, um, tens of millions of dollars, which is not how it was intended. And I think, as I mentioned to you, we wrote a provision into this, the, as we refund, you know, we put more money back in there, but we said, look, it has to be, some of it has to be specifically targeted to small banks, to other loan um, places that, that tend to deal with smaller lenders, just because we want to get more money of that, that where it was supposed to go. Um, you know, it's hard because a lot of, a lot of big institutions, you know, you, you're a chain restaurant, you've already got a team of compliance officers, you've got a bank that's happy to work with you. The bank got made it. money on, on doing these loans as a percentage of how much they loaned out. So for a lot of big banks, they're like, hey, I'd rather do a few big loans and, you know, and make back my money rather than all these little, you know, one to $5,000 loans or $15,000 loans. So it's wrong. It's, it's just totally wrong. Right. Um, but so, so, so what we're saying is, the, it's um, yeah, the, it's the 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 criteria for for picking who gets the loans is is determined by by banks, and if the banks have the the sort of uh, channels in place to approve these loans, you know, faster to to certain you know clients, and they maybe have some incentive to approve uh, approve to to some of the bigger clients, then they're going to move in that direction. So, um, so is it a? I mean, is it? you know, in making these, these applications, is it sort of a, like a race against time? And, and hopefully your institution is one that, that will, will get to your, you know, your paperwork faster. Is that, is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah. I mean, again, I, 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 it's not a perfect system because I'm afraid that this, even the second amount of money we put out there won't last very long. So, um, the sooner people do it, the better off they are. And, um, all the more reason to go if you have a relationship with a small community bank or a credit union, somebody who's going to look upon you as like, um, you're mm -hmm. a valued customer. You know, I want you and your family to stay whole. I want you to keep, you know, surviving and paying the mortgage on your house. So I'm going to help you get this loan as fast as I can, as opposed to, you know, Bank of America or places that may not have the same. Now, now maybe the branch manager at your bank of Bank of America is helping you out. So I don't want to be, you know, completely dismissive, but we found that a lot of the big banks were loaning out a lot of the big money too fast. Okay. And right. we're going to have to do this again. And honestly, um, you know, I don't want to get philosophical here, but I think we should have taken a different approach. I think we should have just looked at what people were, you know, getting for payroll or income and just say, we have to guarantee this to America for as long as they are in trouble. And when we yeah. get to the other side, we'll go back to normal. But um, that's all we're doing through unemployment insurance. That's what the extra 600 bucks a week is for. That's what this program does. It just gives you the money to keep your employees on the payroll. And so we should have just said, look, the most important thing is people have money coming in the door. It shouldn't be this one random check from the IRS that you got to wait for. And, you know, one program that you got to apply for and then it runs out of money. Yeah. You wait in line for unemployment for six weeks before they finally you know, are established to do your thing. So by the way, on the unemployment thing, if you do get that, it's, it's retroactive. 
So whatever mm-hmm. day you went out of work, if you get, once you get, um, once you qualify for unemployment insurance, they have to give you the checks that they didn't give you because the system wasn't up and running. So. Okay. That is a really benefit. good point. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I am, you know, lucky that I've been receiving some of these funds. So I'm, I'm really grateful, you know, that, that the, the government right. is taking some action to, to, you know, make it so I'm not going into economic freefall. Okay. So I really, uh, I just try to be, you know, be grateful about that, but it is, you know, there's a lot of different, uh, a lot of different, you know, the stimulus checks and the cares and the, you know, and the stand unemployment. And I'm just trying to, you know, just trying to take these is, you know, it can seem a little bit uh, patchwork, you know, if you, if you don't know totally. all that, all the acronyms, you know, I don't even, yeah. I'm still, you know, like not the PUA versus the PUC. And I think <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. It's so there's so many right now. Um, but, uh, but this is being, uh, this is getting really helpful for us. Um, and um, so I guess, I just wanted to say, I, you know, I, I checked out your, your story um, that you, you were quoted in, um, not, not your story, but you're quoted in a story in the New York Times recently. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it was about, in, you know, during the Depression era and all the, 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 you know, the big federal programs there that were, you know, supporting the artists, you know, through the Depression. And, you know, you know I'm feeling hopeful that this isn't going to be like a great depression style, you know, event in our history, but it was very impressive, you know, the, the level of creativity that the, you know, the government used back then to right. provide work for artists. I mean, really, and I know I'm familiar with some of the works that, that were, um, you know, made during that time, like the, um, the musical Cradle Will Rock. It's, it's really, you know, there's a great movie about it that came out like 10 years ago or something. Hmm. Um, but, uh, is, I mean, is there anything, I don't, I I don't think we're going to get into that, that, you know, that period. We're not going to revisit some of those programs exactly like that, but is there anything you see kind of coming down the pipe maybe that, that, that is feasible, maybe some type of, you know, student loan forgiveness, you know, I mean, art school can be very expensive, you know, or uh, some sort of, you know, health insurance, you know, um, remuneration for, for, you know, like uh, healthcare costs. Is there anything you see like that? Well, um, uh, I guess one one thing about this whole catastrophe we're going through is it's really shown us the weaknesses in the system. So for a lot of things that people like me think should change, like we should have universal single-payer health care. So everybody isn't thinking like, oh, no, I lost my job. Now I don't right. have health care. I get unemployment, but I lost my health care benefits, or I never had them in the first place because I'm a gig worker. What do I do? Who's going to cover if I get sick? All that. So, I mean, I think it will give us an increased push to go back. We have, um, you know, made sure that testing is free. We're trying to make sure that coverage for treatment is free. But I think we have to we have to revamp the system, and this should remind us that like a lot of people out there yeah. just covered. On the student loans, there is some forbearance for a few months. So, um, anybody who has a student loan should definitely check into that. Uh, it applies okay, to programs that come through the federal government. But again, I, I'm all in favor of doing something so students don't carry this crazy burden of debt. I mean, you could go to a wonderful college and, you know, be on your way to medical school and decide that you had an incredible talent as a musician and just say, this is where I belong. And then all of a sudden you're like, holy moly, how am I going to pay back all that pre-med loan? Yeah. And it shouldn't be that way. Um, also we did put funding into the NEA and NEH through this. Um, I think they each got about 75 million and the NEA, um, National Endowment for the Arts has, Mm um, put all their grants out already, which went to institutions that had previously gotten grants for them. So 
you know, there may be artists who are actually now getting some money because it went to the symphony in their small town that they now play for. But there, every state has a chunk of money that they can loan out, um, not loan out, they come out as grants specifically to artists. Um, it's nowhere near the WPA, but it's out there just to really keep artists afloat. You don't have to, it can be used for your operating class operating costs and organization mm -hmm. for operating costs, which wasn't true. And we're going to try to get more money into that. And lastly, I'd just say, um, you know, we've got all these um, operational programs that just have to be fixed. You know, how we pay for college, how you get healthcare, um, you know, how we, how we keep people safe or gig workers. And in Maine, we have 1 million people and a hundred thousand people are self-employed. So, you know, they're fishermen, they're painters, wow. they're artists. Yeah. They're everything in our state. So we're very familiar with what happens when there's <laughs> Right. One, one chart just showed that Maine might be the most dramatically affected economy of any state in the country as this Oh, goes. wow. We're heavily tourist dependent. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got to sell you lobsters in the summer and if the restaurants don't open up, who's going to eat all these things? We have, right. like, we have artists. We're, we're very independent. We don't like to, you know, we don't have a lot of big companies. We, we work for ourselves, small farmers. Anyway, but I get that. we've got to have a safety net for everybody. But the last thing I'll say is we have a, we have a pretty serious plan in Congress for this package or the next one. And there's some bipartisan agreement on this, that it has to be uh, what we call a stimulus package. It has to go into infrastructure. Like it has to be about, you know, rebuilding roads and bridges and broadband and the kinds of things that you can stimulate new jobs, get people back to work, but also improve the future of our country. And that is the absolute appropriate place to have a WPA-like section yeah. in the bill. And we'll certainly be fighting for it. I mean, it may be a long Thank shot. You. We don't all... You know, we can't always convince our colleagues to do the right thing here. But um, as you said, that was a very well-regarded, well-thought-out system that, that just re reflected the fact that people shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't have to stand in food lines. Um, and we shouldn't waste all this talent. And we should make sure that all of you are able to come back and be our artists of the future because we need you now more than ever. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm trying to look for the, the, the positives in this um, and that I, I'm thinking that, you know, people are realizing, you know, the importance of, of, you know, social contact, you know, with each other and, and, and how important it is to, to have connections and, and, and the arts and just how, how great it is just to, you know, we take it for granted that, you know, we can just go out to a, even just go to a, a bar and, yeah. and see a, and see like a bar band, you know, play, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and have a beer. I mean, that's just like such a great, if I, you know, could do that tonight somehow magically without there being serious ramifications, that would be like the best night, right. you know, of my whole, my whole year. So hopefully this reminds, you know, people of the importance of the, of the arts and the humanities and the, uh, you know, the value that we bring, you know, to, to everyone's life. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, when things get back to normal and who knows when that's going to be, but, um, that people are, there's going to be a renewed, renewed uh, interest in, in arts and these types of experiences. And, you know, for right now, um, you know, just, I know, like we were saying before, I mean, musicians are already living on a pretty, pretty thin margin. So, um, you know, anything that the, the government can do to, to, to help us get through this is, is, is greatly appreciated. And, um, so, uh, just to, to wrap this up, I just want to, you know, just to catch all, you know, is there, is there anything else that you could think of, um, you know, that would be good, you know, for people in, in um, my position to know during this time, any, anything, any of the resources that you could think of or. Well, um, I don't have a list in front of me, but I know um, I'm pretty sure on the national endowment for the arts page, um, 
trying to think about where else, but um, uh, uh, there's a variety of foundations and organizations that have set up funds literally just to help artists, you know, stay afloat. Um, you yeah. know, small one-time grants to help you pay your rent, uh, you know, the things that just are a make or break it, whether you, um, you know, can, can hold out till, till your band is back on tour or till the Broadway show that you're in comes back alive again, or the community theater is open up. I mean, so there are, there are some resources like that. And I guess it's a time when, um, you know, no, nobody should hesitate to go to the community food bank and to apply for food stamps or, you know, look for some rent relief from your landlord. It, it yeah. just, everybody's got to do whatever they've got to do. And there's no, um, you know, there's no shame in it. It's, it's, um, you all do such a wonderful thing for all the rest of us. And, um, you know, we should have a stronger safety net to make sure that everybody's taken care of. So, um, I will say that I think America has, um, thoroughly enjoyed, um, this opportunity to watch all of you like play music in your living rooms. Yeah. Uh, You know, all the zoom concerts and things I think are just, uh, fascinating for people and thank you for doing that it's very uplifting and i know sure um, everybody loves that when uh, when you see you know the variety of them that are popping up thank you yeah i mean it's something that uh you know we're, we got we still got to make music in any way we can it's just a it's a it's a you know it's a need you know for us so there's it's been cool to see how people have been very resourceful about um you know trying to find ways to to collaborate online i know postmodern jukebox has been been holding these uh concerts um and it's it's gone really well because people are, are really really you know just they just need to see some some art and some some beauty mm-hmm. in their life and That's you know great. things like that even just watching like the nfl draft the other day was like really like major <laughs> exciting for me so uh uh so all right well, Shelly, uh, thank you so, so much for, for talking to me. And I think this is going to be very, very valuable information. And um, yeah, is, it, is there any way that people can, can follow you um, on, on Twitter or social media so they can get, you know, updates about, you know, arts, arts related news that you might be putting out there? Yeah, let me just look. I think, uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's pathetic. I should have all those things written down. Yeah. But, um, yeah. My name is spelled Shelly, C-H-E-L-L-I-E, and last name Pingree, P-I-N-G-R-E-E. And we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and post frequently. Um, You can also contact our office. You can email me anytime. If you just have a question, my email is literally my name, Shelly at Pingree.com. And I'll direct you to the right source. So whatever, whatever we can do, we want to make sure you all stay afloat. Very cool. I, I think we all appreciate your, your, your information, uh, your know-how and your accessibility. And uh, I really appreciate your time. And um, yeah, uh, well, maybe I'll see you at a PMJ show uh, in, the, in, the, in the not too distant future. Great. Thanks. Stay safe. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.